Today we're going to be in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, starting in verse 13. Now we're going to start with some foolishness this morning, okay? It's all about wisdom and folly today, okay? And I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to get to why this is foolish, but have you guys ever read those uh, epic quitting stories? You know, they get passed around on Facebook sometimes, or you, like, just like, Epic ways to leave your job or maybe, I don't know, walk out of a classroom. One of my favorite uh, commercials used to be like, it, it was like the end of the school year and it was showing all the teachers leaving the school at the end of the school year and they're leaving kind of like you'd expect a bunch of high school seniors to be leaving the, the school year and they're just like throwing loads of paper in the air and you see like teachers hopping in their minivans just like spinning the tires of their minivans on their way out of the parking lot. <laughs> Have you guys ever read any of these epic quitting stories? Yeah? Anyone have an epic quitting story? I have a yeah? Let's hear it. He was working at Jewel, and he was planning on quitting, like, I guess on Friday. Not this Friday, but, like, on the Friday. And, like, during a shift on Thursday, he had to, like, help some old lady, like, out her car or something. He, like, helped her, helped her get her stuff in her car. And then the next day when he went in for, like, his last shift or whatever, he hadn't told them that he was quitting it. They gave him a gift card because he was, like, such a help to the old lady. And then he quit and spent the gift card on the way out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right. Well, we began this morning by saying that these are, can be folly. That one is not too bad. That's a good one. All right. Um, and so today we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 9, and we're going to go all the way to the end of chapter 10 here. And there's a lot here, and we're just going to kind of walk through it, because it's just a lot of proverbial wisdom, okay? Wisdom, foolishness, and so we're going to do our best just to follow along and track with it. And, and what I would expect you to do this morning is, if you're a note taker, um, just to write down an answer to the question, am I wise or am I foolish based on what we learned today? Are some of my actions wise or some of my actions foolish? Do any of these stand out to me? Do they kind of hit me as we go through this as to speaking to my condition and whether or not I'm living a wise life or a foolish life? So we're going to take it in small chunks, and it's really just two sections today. And the first section is the strength and fragility of wisdom. What does fragility mean? What does fragile mean? But easy to break, right? You guys, you know, you see the box says fragile on it. You know, it's got a big screen TV in it or whatever. Easy to break. Don't throw it on the ground. Don't drop it. So the strength and the fragility, the fragileness of wisdom, okay? So let's start by reading in verse 13 of chapter 9. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun. And it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, so surrounds it, building great siege works against it. So he's building these things to knock down the gates and the walls. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. 
The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. And one more verse here. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So wisdom is strong, but wisdom is fragile. So where do we see the strength of wisdom in our, in our little story? How is wisdom strong? And I am going to, just because of the lull in the room, we're going to try to participate a little bit to help us keep going here. How is wisdom strong in our little story? Yeah, so I mean, this one poor man stops an entire army that's surrounding a city. That's a big deal, right? Now, we don't think that this is necessarily just like a story. I think this might be something that if Solomon's the author, he actually saw this happen. Okay, maybe he was the king surrounding the city. And a poor wise man diverts the danger that the whole city is in. And so the danger is stopped. And what do we see? He says here that um, wisdom is better than might. Wisdom is better than strength. Okay. And then if you go down to verse 18, he's got another little wisdom saying, wisdom is better than weapons of war, which is kind of another way of saying wisdom is better than strength, right? So this is our little proverb that tells us that wisdom is powerful. Wisdom is strong. This is our David and Goliath story, right? How did David beat Goliath? Well, there's some wisdom there, wasn't there? Long-range weaponry is going to work better in my fight against this giant than me trying to run up there and hack his ankles off. So wisdom proves to be more powerful. This is hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon. You guys read How to Train Your Dragon? Right? In a world of thug and brutes where you know, might makes right and muscle wins the day, who becomes the next king? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, guys. I ruined it. Um, you have to read all 12 books to get there, but anyways, Hiccup becomes a king. Oh, goodness, we're talking about the movie here. A little bit different. Just so you know, the storyline of the movie and the books is pretty different, pretty different. Um, so Hiccup, you know, the scrawny runt of a boy, that's why they call him Hiccup, that's the name they give to runts that just shouldn't really even be kept alive. They learned that he should have been sent out to sea, you know, and, and let the sea swallow him. I'm giving away too much of my uh, middle school reading level here, so let's move on. So hiccup, yes. Um, okay, so I don't know about how many of you, you look at the gene pool from which you uh, are, are, are born into. You look at mom, you look at dad, and you realize... I'm probably never going to be the biggest and strongest person in the room, right? Or you're like me, and you look at mom, and you look at dad, and you look at all your brothers, and you're like, wait a minute, all of you got one gene pool, and I got the other one. I came back from college my freshman year, and I looked around the room, and I'm like a foot shorter than everyone in the room. It's like, I don't know what happened, right? So for those of you that that's the case, this is good news, right? This is good news, that wisdom is actually more powerful than strength. And for those of you who are the biggest and the strongest, know that there's something stronger out there. 
that wisdom is stronger than the muscles that God has gifted you with or the height that he's gifted you with. But wisdom is also fragile because what do we read at the end of verse 16 here? He says, I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Okay, so this this little story, it doesn't have a happy ending, does it? We've got this poor guy who's wise, who saves the whole city against a king who's going to destroy it. But at the end of the day, nobody remembers him. They don't remember his wisdom. That's what it means here. I think that the sense here is that the poor man's wisdom is despised. His words are not heard. And we might even say that he's not remembered because he was poor. That because he was a poor man and it was someone who they didn't expect to hear a lot of wisdom from, they didn't really pay much attention to him. And though his wisdom saved the whole city, it ended up being despised and forgotten. So maybe we should keep an eye out for where we hear wisdom and where we look for wisdom. Maybe we should keep an eye out and not think that I'm just going to find wisdom in, you know, from someone with a lot of degrees or Um, riches or power or success, maybe there's wisdom out there in other realms. Maybe my grandmother, my grandfather, who have lived a a humble life and have, you know, never made millions and live in a small house and work a farm, maybe there's some wisdom there. Maybe they have wisdom to give me that I wouldn't find somewhere else. Or maybe I could get wisdom from someone who's actually younger than me. Someone that I don't, you know, think is being smarter than me, but they may just be wiser than me. So wisdom is cast aside, although it is the most powerful weapon and more powerful than weapons of war. And we read in verse 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So wisdom is really powerful. I mean, think about the weapons of war we have nowadays and how much destruction and power they have behind them. Wisdom's more powerful than that, but it's also fragile because one sinner destroys much good. One sinner can wreak havoc on a whole community that's trying to live in wisdom. That's how churches get split. That's how nations get split. That's how businesses get split. That's how marriages get split. One sinner can bring it all down to the ground. That's how a group of friends gets split. You ever experienced that? One friend kind of decides to go off on someone else and, and they say some choice words, do some things they shouldn't do. And now a group of friends that's been together since elementary school has got a big rift down the middle of it. One sinner can cause a lot of harm. And then if we go to chapter 10, verse 1, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. That is to say, you can have a lot of really expensive perfume and a few flies land in it and die and the stench is ruined. In the same way, a little folly, a little foolishness outweighs wisdom and honor. Have you guys seen a balance before? You got balance here. You can have a lot of wisdom and honor built up on one side, and he's saying a little bit of foolishness can tilt the scales this way. How's that work? Well, it's a scary picture, but it's a true picture that a life lived in wisdom 
where you've lived with many days of good choices and good behavior and, and wise living, you can do one thing to bring it all crashing to the ground. So for example, you can live for years choosing to save sex for marriage. You can live for years choosing to remain a virgin. And then one party, one night, one bad decision, and your virginity's gone. You can conduct yourself with honesty at school and always do your own work and and work hard to gain the respect of your friends and your teachers. But then you find yourself in a bind and someone suggests that the quick way out of it is just to cheat. And you do. And you get caught. And now your reputation as the honest student is gone just that quickly. And it doesn't matter how many days before that you had lived in honesty, right? One decision to lie, to cheat, to steal, to be impure, to not guard your tongue, to disobey authority, just one of those can outweigh far more honesty, diligence, purity, a guarded tongue, and obedience to authorities. So let that sit with you for a minute. Let that weigh on you for a minute. Hopefully it comes to mind in the day when you're tempted to to do something just this once. Isn't that what we like to say? You just do it this, just this once. It's not a big deal. Just this once. And know that what's in the balance is not just one thing, but all of that wisdom and honor that you've built up to this point, knowing that it can all be gone just like that by choosing to do something just this once. Right? So wisdom is mighty. Wisdom is powerful, but wisdom is also fragile. It can be used with great effects to accomplish really powerful amounts of good, but it can also be done very, very quickly by sin and outweighed by folly. So now we're going to look at chapter 10, and it's just this list of proverbs, these wise sayings, and we're going to ask ourselves, does my life sound more like the path of wisdom, or does my life sound more like the path of folly and foolishness? So our goal is to recognize wisdom and folly. So let's read verse 2. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. This is simply saying that if you're left-handed, you're in big trouble. No, it's not, actually. It's saying that to the right is tend to be the place of honor. If you are to sit on someone's right, you are in the place of honor. Okay, so the right, the wise man tends towards honor, and the foolish man tends toward dishonor. So when you are evaluating someone as to whether or not they're wise or they're foolish, take what they're doing in their life and think about this. If what they're doing right now were to be exposed and everybody knew about it and we fast forwarded to the end of their days, is it going to lead them to honor where everybody praises them for the life that they've lived or dishonor where people are ashamed of them? That is a helpful way to identify a path of wisdom or a path of folly. When all is said and done, will they be in honor or dishonor? Verse 3, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. What I think this is saying is that folly is easy to spot. You see it coming. Folly is loud. Sometimes it's loud with its mouth, and sometimes it's loud with its actions. I don't know if this call anything to mind for you as you think about people you've interacted with in life. Maybe, maybe you would apply to some of this, this idea that you can kind of see a fool coming. 
You can hear a fool coming. You could also say that the fool draws attention to itself when it says he says to everyone that he's a fool. You know people who who draw attention to themselves wherever they are, whether it's in the middle of the lunchroom or out on the sports field or walking down the school hallway, that they're, they're boisterous and loud and, hey, look at me. Everything that they do says, hey, look over here. Proverbs 13, 16 says that a fool flaunts his folly. A fool flaunts his folly. So fools, when we're fools, we don't tend to be like, a little foolish on the side, nobody really notices. Fools tend to do things that are easy to see and everybody notices and, and really just draw attention to just how foolish we are. So be careful if you're the one who tends to dominate conversations. Be careful if you're the one who has to be the center of attention. Be careful if you're the one who's always thinking of what to say or what to wear in order to get noticed by people around you. It may just be that you're caught up in foolishness and you're just drawing more attention to it. It may be that you are the fool walking down the road who lacks sense, saying to everyone, I am a fool. But wisdom, on the other hand, is different. Let's read verse 4. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. So notice the difference that the fool comes flaunting down the, down the street and everybody sees him and knows him and, and can see his folly. And yet here we have a wise person who, who's caught in some sort of dilemma that ruler is angry with them. Someone in authority is angry with them. And it tells them, don't leave your place for calmness will lay great offense to rest. This is where the uh, epic quitting stories comes in, right? I mean, most epic quitting stories, so I I did some research and I read through some of them, involve someone who says, you know, I've been mistreated, they didn't pay me enough, they kept bossing me around like I'm a little kid. The best part is actually all of them almost begin with, when I was 17, when I was 16, when I was 19, when I was 18, I had a job when I... Notice a little trend here? Okay. So when I was young, I had this job... And I didn't like the way I was treated. And so I flipped over a table, dumped out the breadsticks in the trash can, told my boss to his face that he was a stupid idiot in front of all the customers, quit during the rush hour, right when they needed me most. That's what all these stories go through. Okay? I didn't like how I was being treated. I was angry, so I quit right in the middle of it. And then we celebrate, right? Yay! That was, that was so great of you. <laughs> but maybe it happens in the classroom, right? You wait, you know, that teacher, I hate this teacher, and you wait till the very end of the year, or maybe you don't wait till the end of the year. And you're like, I'm going to let them have it, I'm going to walk out of the room, I'm going to rip up the test in their face. Right? That idea that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really stick it to them. I think this proverb says there's a lot of wisdom in not doing that. Keep calm, and even if you're in the wrong, your boss will calm down. And what's the end result? You are going to keep your job. You're going to stay in the class. You're going to keep getting a paycheck. How foolish is it that you, you know, oh, I'm going to show them who's boss, and I'm going to quit and walk out, and now I have no paycheck. 
no high school diploma. Now who's the fool? Oh, I want to get a new job. I have to lift, what do I have to put down is references. Places I've worked before so that they can call and say, is this person someone I should hire? You going to put this guy down that I blew up and flipped over everything and walked out? Probably not. So have I really won the day? Brooks has example. an example. Someone I worked with actually did this. Uh-huh. And went around the office and handed everybody $100 bills and said, partners make too much money. They should share more of it with all of you. And then he walked out. Is it a partner? And I guarantee you, he did not get a good reference. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, so it's not just something that happens at McDonald's. It also happens in tax firms. Where do you, where do you work, Brooks? <laughs> One of those. See, I knew it. Yeah. Yes. It's like when I go to like, this is all going to be on the podcast, who cares? Um, I don't know. It's like when I go to adult, adult interacting party things, you know, and I just, I feel stupid when it comes to anything related to any sort of business stuff. Just putting that out there, moving on. Business, money, investments, that kind of stuff. Don't really know. Here we go. Wisdom. Where are we? Oh, yeah. Okay. Verse 5. Verse 5. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Again, so we're talking about people in charge. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. So you might say, what's so bad about that? It sounds like justice is being done. You know, the the people at the bottom are being lifted up. Uh, You have to remember that when we talk about Proverbs, we're not describing just like how all of life should be. It's not saying that, um, you know, oh, it's terrible when slaves are helped out. They should be kept in their place. Um, It's not saying princes should never have to walk. It's not saying rich people are better than other people, so they should always be at the top. It's simply saying that when a fool is in charge, life is turned upside down. When a fool is in charge, it turns life upside down. So this, is, this is the story of Lion King, right? I know you guys have watched this recently. I come up with a new one I just saw. Excited. So when Scar, the fool, becomes king, what happens? He puts the scavenging hyenas over the lions, right? And what happens to the land? goes to wastelands, right? There's nothing to eat. It's a terrible place to live. He is the picture of the fool who puts folly over honor, who puts those on bottom over those who should be on top, and everything goes to chaos and falls apart. Life is turned upside down. So foolishness does that, but wisdom instead helps you to succeed. So let's read verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it, And a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. That means you go and you dig out stones to build with. And he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt, think of an axe. If an axe is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, There is no advantage to the charmer. So wisdom helps you to succeed is the thing we hear here. There there are many dangers in life to those who work 
For those who are in the business of digging ditches, digging pits, there's always the problem that they might just fall into one. For those who are in the business of breaking through walls, there's always a chance that a serpent is living in that wall and may come out and bite you. For those who are in the business of cutting out quarrying stones, there's always a chance that one of those stones will fall and hit you or or hurt you. For those who cut logs, there's always the chance that a log will fly apart in a way you don't expect and hit you. For those who are in the business of charming snakes, anyone here? I don't know. There's always the chance that that snake might bite you before it's charmed. Or dogs, you guys, you know, train your dog, that kind of thing. A little less on the line there, depending on how poisonous the snake is. So there are dangers in life for those who work, but wisdom will help you to succeed. And the image of wisdom helping you to succeed is like someone who is trying to do all their log chopping with a blunt axe. Have you, if you've actually, who's genuinely chopped logs before? Okay, good. If you don't chop logs with a healthy fear, you're doing it wrong. Because you are swinging a sharp and heavy object with all of your might in a direction that if something goes astray, it's coming right back at you. All right? And so what he says here is when you're chopping logs, number one, you're going to keep working harder and harder and harder if your axe is blunt, if it's just a dull edge. And so sometimes in order to work better, you need to stop. You need to use wisdom. You need to take the time to sharpen the axe instead of just hacking and hacking and hacking away at the tree or the log and making no progress. So where can we apply wisdom like that? Well, let's think about education. There's value in sticking it out with school and going all the way through high school and maybe even on past that. There's value in saying, you know what, I'm going to be patient and learn what I can and get my degree instead of saying to you know what with all this and I'm going to go do it my way. Or maybe there's just wisdom in preparing before you do something. Stopping and thinking about it before you get started. Or there's wisdom in being teachable. And stopping and and letting someone say you're doing it wrong and listening to them before you keep going. There's wisdom in being patient. And knowing that the day will come for you to actually get that job and work hard and earn money. But you need to get the education before then. So wisdom can help you succeed. So are you willing, the question I would have for you is, are you willing to slow down to use wisdom? Are you willing to slow down and use wisdom, or do you just keep chopping away at life expecting things to get easier? And as a former math teacher, here's what I think as my primary example. Do you read the little lesson in your math book before you try to do the problems? No. You don't. And I know you don't as a former math teacher. (laughs) You just you, you sleep through class, and then you open your book, and you're like, I have to get my homework done. There's 15 problems here. And you just look at the problem, and you say, like, best guess, best guess, maybe this is right, not sure, I hope that's right. There's, there's pencil on the paper, so I'm done. And then you get to that test, and you're like, well, you didn't teach me. You, it's your fault, teacher, that I failed the test. You have this wonderful thing called math book. And before the problems is the lesson. 
I didn't, I honestly remember, I, I remember having this epiphany in high school as a student in calculus. So I took calculus as a high schooler, and I remember I was like, I actually, like, it, it took me till calculus to read the lessons before doing the math homework, and I was like, oh, wow, that, that, that explains all of it right there in, in a really easy way to understand. Oh, man, imagine if I would have done this many years ago. So I'm telling you, don't make that mistake. Slow down, read the chapter, look at the example problems. You too can be good at math. <laughs> We're almost done. 12, let's read verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? So folly can't stop saying stupid things. If you can't tell a foolish person by seeing them, you can tell them by listening to them. Everything they say is foolish. I had a friend over in, in Palestine who, you know, I was trying to share the gospel with. And so we'd go on walks and he'd chain smoke and talk. And I would listen. And 98% of what he said was absolute craziness. Just foolishness and um, conspiracy theories and all this just nutso stuff. A fool you can tell by what they say. All of it that comes out of their talk is, out of their mouth is foolishness. And not only is it all foolishness, but they say a lot of it. Verse 14, a fool multiplies words. He just keeps going, going and going and going and talking and talking and talking. And, and, and when they talk, there's a lot of the, I'll tell you what I'm going to do to so-and-so kind of talk. Or when I grow up and when I finish school and when I get money, here's what I'm going to do. If you're around people who use that kind of language, know that that is the path to foolishness because it says a man knows, uh, though no man knows what, it is, what is to be and who can tell him what will be after him. In other words, a fool just goes on and on and on about what they're going to do and how they're going to feel. And if when, the, when my friends in high school see me in 10 years, oh, oh, then they're going to know. You don't know what's going to happen, do you? Shut your mouth. Be wise. And finally, fools are lazy. Fools are lazy. He says, the toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. I mean, this is just hilarious. This is like a fool who's going to go to a city to sell something, and he didn't even take the time to figure out which direction the city is. He's lost on the way to go and make the money that he needs to make. And it says, woe to you, O land, when your child is a king and your princes feast in the morning. So foolishness is found in laziness, lazy rulers. So when, you're, when your child acts like a, or when your king acts like a child and they spend all morning getting drunk and having feasts, that's foolish. But happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So it's good to have rulers who have feasts, but have them at nighttime, not in the morning. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. So a, a fool is lazy. He doesn't even fix the leaks over his head, and his house is going to fall down. So are you lazy? That's a good question. As you evaluate if I'm wise or I'm a fool, big question would be, am I lazy? Fools are lazy. Am I lazy? 
Finally, wisdom knows the value of money and it guards their tongues. So it says, bread is made for laughter, wine gladdens life, money answers everything. This is not to say that money is the answer to everything. Um, We should worship money, but rather this is a truth. Most of our problems, if we had more money, we could figure them out. It's just a truth, okay? And then, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Have you guys ever had someone say, a little birdie told me, a little birdie told me this. They heard something that you said. <laughs> oh, funny. There's just, there's like disdain on someone's face. It's like, yes, I hate it when they say that. <laughs> the idea, the idea right, is don't go on a rant. You guys, you know, you guys ever want to go on a rant? Go to your friends, go home, you're just, just going to go on a rant. Just let everyone know how stupid your teacher is, how dumb your parents are, how idiotic so-and-so is, how could they be so blah, 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 blah. Be careful, because that might make it back to the person you don't want to hear it. And actually, sometimes it has a special way of making it back to those people that we might even think has divine intervention in it where God is helping us with this problem that we have. So don't go on rants. Learn to control your tongue and you will be wise. So big question today, are you wise or are you a fool? Or is there a bit of both? We can make adjustments to our life to live more wisely and less foolishly. But the truth is, if we really want to be wise, there's only one place that we can find true wisdom, and that is in the death of Jesus on the cross. So I'm going to end by reading this from 1 Corinthians. It says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So there are those who consider the cross to be foolishness, and yet God has used this foolishness to save us. For Jews demand signs, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So there it is. If you want wisdom, get Christ. If you want to genuinely be wise, follow Jesus. For the foolishness of God, the cross, is wiser than men. And the weakness of God, his son, coming to be nailed to a piece of wood, is stronger than men. So if you want to be wise, get Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom and the examples of folly here for us to be aware of. Um, And Lord, I pray that you would drive home any of the things that hit home with us, that that are true of us, where we live in folly. And instead of trying to hide it or cover it up, help us instead, Lord, to bring it to Jesus and to find true wisdom in Christ and to follow him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.